Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Julio Gonzalez. It's April 28, 2018, and you're listening to Julio Gonzalez for Congress. And if you like what you hear and you believe in my messages, then come visit us at juliogonzalezforcongress.com. Sign up for our emails. Check out our events. And you can even contribute to our campaign there. On Twitter, it's at Julio for Florida. On iTunes, SoundCloud, and Facebook, it's at Dr. Julio Gonzalez for Congress. So this is a somber morning because today I learned that baby Alfie has died. And uh, I really wanted to reach out to you because this case is uh, incredibly tragic. But it also speaks about the relationship of the citizen and government and the power that we allow government to have and, and the terrible things that can happen if we allow government to have too much power. So for those of you who may not be aware, baby Alfie is, uh, was a 23-month-old baby who, um, who had suffered from a severe and irreversible neurodegenerative disease. And as a matter of fact, the doctors didn't even understand what the disease was. They, they had not identified, even to this day, what, what it is that baby Alfie had. Baby Alfie is a citizen of England. He was born in England. His parents were citizens of England. And in England, somehow along the way, the government has the authority to tell you that they're going to pull the tube, that they're going to withdraw care, that they're going to they're gonna allow the baby to die. Now, they do this under the guidance of doctors, when the doctors opine, when the experts opine, that the baby has no chance, then they can pull the tube and pull all, all support of the child and leave the child to die. The parents' wishes have no bearing on the matter. The ability to uh, fight for a person's life has no bearing on the matter. The the consideration for the dignity of a human being's life, no matter how small, has no bearing on the matter. Essentially, the only thing that has a bearing on the matter is the opinion of the doctors, and I would imagine some other experts, and the government ruling. Once the government rules, then there really is no option for you as a patient or your, or your advocates as your, as your guardians for your care. And today, that, that latest chapter of those examples of things that are happening in England, and let's, let's remember, England is, not, England is not some far distant, uh, completely different societal country. It is, it is the country that gave birth to this one. It is the struggles that we had with England and the beliefs that were being created in England are essentially those that finally gave rise to a country and gave rise to a country at great cost. But nevertheless, it gave rise to the greatest social experiment in the world the world has ever seen. And so despite these similarities to our culture, the people in England have allowed a situation to exist where the government can actually take control of somebody's life, withdraw care, and let them die, sentence them to death. Now, I, I'm not going to argue the issues regarding this child. I don't know whether the doctors were right that the child had no chance. I think those issues are immaterial to our discussion. 
They're immaterial to this to our discussion because every human being deserves the dignity of of being able to be cared for, and every parent has deserves the dignity of being able to supply the care that they believe is appropriate for their for their child. Now that 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 ability to do so I understand is not infinite resources are limited and technology is limited as well but it is certainly not up to government to decide when to shut off that effort it is certainly not up to government to decide when a life is valuable enough to provide care and when a, li a life is no longer valuable to provide care or other resources whatever those resources may be so that's exactly what happened in England. In England, the child's life support system was cut off because baby Alfie was thought to die once the ventilator was pulled off. The child was breathing on a ventilator and the doctors thought that the child had no chance, that there was no ability to save them from, from, from this ultimate demise and so they decided to pull the tube off him, much to the parents' just absolute horror and fright. I've heard even even uh, stories that the parents actually tried to engage in mouth-to-mouth -mouth, uh, assistive breathing for a while once they pulled the baby off the tube. But the most remarkable thing happened. Baby Alfie continued to breathe. And now baby Alfie would continue to breathe, and the government decided that it was no longer going to feed the baby. What an appalling nightmare. And when the parents found hospice at the Vatican and the Vatican decided that it would allow the child to come to their hospital where they would continue treatment, the government interfered. This is horrible. It, it sounds like something out of one of the worst dictatorships you could ever imagine, but this happened in Mother England. And it didn't happen in 1672. It happened up until yesterday when baby Alfie died. Baby Alfie's dad, Thomas Evans, wrote on Twitter, My gladiator laid down his shield and gained his wings at 2.30. Absolutely heartbroken. Love you, my guy. This is an absolutely devastating event for what it means to be a human being. And this is not the first time that it happens in England in recent history. Within the last two years, baby Charlie Gard had the same situation. And England interfered with the treatment of the baby. Now, yes, again, I, I am not going to, I'm not discussing the medical issues of the case. Because, again, I believe they're irrelevant. Because I believe that the decision as to whether to continue to fight for this patient for this 23-month patient and for Charlie Gard and for other kids is not in the hands of government. It's in the hands of the parents. And yes, they may have limited understanding and you as the doctor may feel that you understand everything and you know about their futility. That matters not. Because your decision as a physician and as a government official is related not to your expertise on the science. It is related only to the expertise on, on the science. It is not related to the value that you give that life. That value that you give that life is completely out of your hands. It should be infinite. That value that you give that life should be all-encompassing. 
But that should not enter into the equation of government decisions as to who lives and who dies. Can you imagine? You don't need to imagine. It's already happened. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this topic to your attention is because this is exactly what happens when you give government the authority to do these things. And in England, they did. And in the United States, we haven't. Wait, we haven't? Well, maybe we have. Maybe we have. Do you remember Sarah Mernigan? Remember Sarah Mernigan? Sarah Mernigan was a 10-year-old cystic fibrosis child. Um, most of you may or may not know what cystic fibrosis at all is all about, but it's essentially it's a uh, exocrine disorder where your glands don't don't secrete um, normal secretions, and they become very very thick and salty, and and um, essentially your lungs fail in cystic fibrosis. That's why you die. And Sarah Mernigan was at the brink of death when she was ten years of age. Now, here's the interesting thing about Sarah Mernigan. Sarah Mernigan would have been eligible for a lung transplant to save her life if she had been 12. If she had been 12. And the doctor said that she could do, even though she was 10 years old, she could do the, the lung transplant. She could survive it. Why? Because Sarah Mernigan happened to be a little bit bigger than most 10-year-olds. And, and physiologically, it looked like she was going to be able to tolerate, tolerate it like, like a 12-year-old would probably tolerate it. But the rules said that the rules said that a child had to be no younger than 12 years of age in order to be eligible for a transplant, a lung transplant. The case went all the way to Catherine Sebelius. Remember her? She was the Health and Human Services Secretary under the Obama administration. And this is what is absolutely harrowing about this situation. The left believes that they have the authority to decide what lives can live and what lives can't. Why? Because they believe in centralized healthcare. They believe in government-run healthcare. And by definition, if you're going to design a government-run healthcare, you're going to design a system of healthcare where the government decides what resources are allocated, which translates to government is deciding who lives and who dies. Make no mistake about it. That's what it means. They'll, they will hide it from you. They will change the words, they'll tell you, no, it doesn't mean that it's limited resources and we're making policy decisions. No, no. Ultimately, they decide who gets the care that will save their lives and who does not. Case in point, Mother England. You don't have to look very far. And you saw it again here with Sarah Mernigan. In the case of Sarah Mernigan, Sibelius said, no, she does She does not get the lung transplant. But, but Madam Secretary, the doctors say that she's eligible because she's actually strong and she's actually big. And, you know, yeah, she may be 10 years old, but physiologically she can tolerate this like a 12-year-old. Sibelius said no. Since when? Since when was this country ever founded on a, on a premise that a government official could decide who lives and who dies by virtue of whether they get a lung transplant? In this case, the case was appealed. It was appealed to uh, the federal judge, and the federal judge overruled it, thank God. And Sarah Mernigan got her lung transplant, and now I think it's been five or six years, and Sarah Mernigan is still alive today. The doctors were right. She would survive. Sibelius was heartless, cruel, and completely insensitive to the value of human life. Ladies and gentlemen, 
when I tell you that I'm going to Congress to fight against the terrible ailments that afflict our healthcare system, when I tell you that I'm going to Congress to fight against healthcare decisions that are being that are run amok um, in the halls of some administrative office in Alexandria, Virginia, when I tell you that I'm going to Congress because we need to keep decisions for your healthcare at you at your at your doctor's office at the privacy of your doctor's office and at your at your feet. When I go, when I tell you to con- that I'm going to Congress because I'm fighting for all these things, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The only thing that makes this case different is the strikingness of the example. But whether you're talking about a child's lung transplant or pulling the tube on a child because of some government official's decision, or whether you're talking about manipulating the price of the procedures you uh, receive so that you can no longer get your catheterization, your uh, heart stent or your heart catheterization, or that you can no longer afford to get through the insurance companies that you've paid for, uh, be able to get that, that medication that will keep your, your body running. When the government does that, make no mistake, it is an intrusion on your ability to live your life, not only the way that you believe that you want to live it, with your independence and your freedom, but also to the length of time that technology and your resources allow you to live. It is imperative that I go to Congress to fight against these things. And if you think this candidacy is worth a couple of dollars of your invested investment to fight for your freedoms and to fight for government against government intrusion into your health care and into your personal matters, then send a couple of dollars my way. It would certainly help. Remember, this is our campaign together, and I certainly could use your help. My name is Dr. Julio Gonzalez, and I approve this message.